where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I am John. And I am James. It's season six, y'all. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that isn't how I thought we'd kick off this season. <laughs> yeah, season six, James. We've made it to a new era. It is a new era. Instead of Diane, it's it's not Diane. It's another woman <laughs> who will discuss. We'll discuss a plenty in the episodes to come. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Another special announcement to kick off season six is that we've got our first patron over on Patreon by the name of Dreb Kui. We gave him the special norm treatment there. If you'd like a norm treatment for you also, then check out our Patreon page where we'll give you just that and you'll be included in a post on our social media every month thanking you for being a part of this exclusive club. I've got to say, I was, uh, I didn't know what to expect with this episode. And this episode is Home is the Sailor. Do you want to know some uh, little known facts straight in with the facts about where that phrase comes in? First fact of the season. The title of this episode is from Robert Louis Stevenson's 1890 poem Requiem, part of which was also inscribed on his tombstone. Home is the sailor, home from sea, and the hunter home from the hill. The line is also referred to in the title of a modernist novel published by Brazilian author Jorge Amado in 1961. And with a classy fact like that, we can obviously guess, James, that this was written by Glenn Charles and Les Charles, creators of Cheers, and of course directed by James Burroughs. Season 6 premiered on the 24th of September, 1987. It's a good year. And with the admin out of the way, (laughs) (laughs) shall we dive in? Cold open. Best place to start. I really like this cold open. Yeah, Frasier enters Cheers and there are ferns, John. Ferns. Yeah, I didn't expect this as a, as a season six kickoff because Cheers is totally different. Yeah, everyone's wearing a, a uniform. All the people there seem well behaved. I don't like it. <laughs> it, it kind of, well, well, we'll get into it more, but it reminded me of sort of a post-apocalyptic Cheers. You know how like uh, there'll be a time jump in like a sci-fi thing and there's like people scrounging the desert and it's like mm. some of the B characters are now formed a group. Do you know what I mean? Had yes. that vibe. Speaking of post-apocalyptic Cheers, do you know where you could find post-apocalyptic Cheers? Where? In one of the Fallout games. I think I've actually seen about that. It's uh, yeah. And there's like a, is there a, a dead Norman, a dead... Uh, Cliff at the bar, yeah, yeah, because it's set in Boston, yeah. Yeah, well, we don't go quite that far in the future, <laughs> but we do. This this cold open is a six-month time jump. Fraser walks into a bar, it's like a sort of a joke. <laughs> Woody's dressed up in a new uniform. It's a lovely uh, verdant pinstripe uniform. They write this cold open as a way to sort of catch us up with what's been happening. We find out a bit about Diane's book, which she went off to write at the end of uh, season five. Frazier just reminisces about the good old days, which shows us how much has changed. Whatever happened to the good old days? Everything was better. Sam still owned the bar. He wasn't out circumnavigating the globe. Yonder sat Diane with a book. Norman Cliff were permanent fixtures in this place. God, how I miss those hail fellows well met. Where is it gone, Woody? You want to know a fun anecdote, I guess? Fact anecdote? It's like a cross between the two. A friend of my grandparents once said that the best decision he ever made was leaving his wife and sailing around the globe. Did he sail everywhere? I think he, he, I think he went all around, like circumnavigated, you know, kept going one way until he got back to where he started. Yeah, It's a brave thing to do, isn't it? And it was uh, Norm's dream in... Peterson Crusoe, yes. In, in the reminiscing way, Fraser says, Oh, death in life. 
the days that are no more. Who said that? You said what? Oh, death and life, the days that are no more. You did. No, no, you see, I mean, who said it first? You, you said it both times. You know, you're right, Woody. Some things never change. Especially the simple ones. Yeah, Woody gets very confused by Fraser. Fraser seems to be losing his mind from Woody's perspective, <laughs> which I think was a really good way to kick off this season because a lot has changed in this cold open. Fraser sums up that some things will never change, especially the simple ones, which is a dig at Woody, but also kind of hints that main part of the show and the spirit of the show will continue. Oh, that's profound. That's deep. They, they know what they're doing. <laughs> After that nice thing that especially the simple ones won't change. We get into the the main theme tune, which is, you know, that safe, warm hugger after every cold open before we get into the main episode, Jim. Let's let's talk about the titles, though, because we see something in the title sequence, don't we? Yeah, new name, James. New name. Kirsty Alley. She seems to be a staff member at the bar, from what her old-timey photo says. <laughs> gotta, gotta have an old-timey photo Old-timey photo, it's not cheers without old-timey photos So we'll expect to see a new face later on in this episode But before we reveal the answer to the mystery Before we solve this riddle Let's see what the people thought of this episode In 1997, this was four years after Cheers ended mm. TV Guide ranked this at number 45 on its list of 100 greatest TV episodes. I can kind of see why. I think yeah. it's a strong start for a new beginning. Home is the Sailor, this episode, scored a 28.4 rating and was third placed in the list of top 10 shows that were tuned in by households on the week of September 21st to the 27th of 1987. This episode earned Glenn and Les Charles an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Writing in a Comedy Series in 1988, but they did not win. In 2014, IGN ranked it as number two of the top ten Cheers episodes. In 2019, Joseph J. and Kate Dorowski in their book Cheers A Cultural History rated the episode all four stars. And you know what? I agree with a lot of those statements. I, I was dubious how they would uh, kick off the season after sort of dramatic exit at the end of the last season. Really, really strong. And, and we see some familiar faces pop back into the bar. And the first one we see is Eddie. Eddie Labette, he's come to the bar where we, he, he has a chat with Woody where we get more exposition about what's happened over the last six months. Oh, because Eddie's not been there for many, many moons. Actually, we, we get even more familiar faces. Norm tries to come into the bar as well. Oh, he doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Woody's been trying to get the, the bar to do the classic Norm cheer as he enters the, the building and he doesn't get it anymore. So he leaves. No, don't worry, Norm, they'll get it eventually. He's Yeah, he's up and gone. Eddie's back in the bar because he's been called to see Carla. I'm surprised this is the first time I've asked this. Have you ever had a Norm-style entrance? You've walked into a drinking establishment? I don't think so. Not on that level. When I was in my college days, I walked into a party. Uh, there was a room full of Brazilians and I walked in and they all just went, James! And that was very exciting. <laughs> just passed me the tequila. And I was like, oh, okay. This is See, happening. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you got that every time oh. and, then, and then something that was taken away from you. Oh, I wouldn't like that. That's what happened when I finished. That was the start of the troubles, John. <laughs> it's Like I said, it's post-apocalyptic kind of wasteland yeah. of the bar. No one knows your name. It's not the place where everybody knows your name right now, is it? No, I just shouted my own name, hoping. 
hoping to bring back the, the memories. The only people who are sort of continued working in the bar is Woody and Carla. As we said, Eddie's come to see Carla because she has some news, James. Well, I wonder what it could be. You don't need to ask her. You can see she's pregnant. Ah, she is heavily pregnant. Eddie's taken a bit by surprise. Oh, Eddie. Hey, Carla. What do you want to talk to me about? And then, I think after that exchange between them two, we, we cut to Fraser back at the bar. He's keeping the business up, only regular. And uh, the thing which is quite uh, nice about this scene is Carla and Fraser always sort of butted heads a little bit. And this gives a chance where they, they seem to have formed a bit more of a friendship, I guess. And it, yeah, I agree. It was nice seeing this kind of partnership because they're from very different backgrounds and professions, aren't they? Mm. Fraser and Carla. So I agree. That was that was nice to see. Shortly after that, Sam comes in and again, Frasier is kind of despondent about everything that's changed and Sam sneaks up behind him. Good old sneaky Sam. Frasier turns to him and goes, isn't that right, Sam? Sam! Because <laughs> <laughs> Sam's back because he crashed his boat, didn't he? And this is kind of a, a, a tide of change, potentially, with the return of Sam. That's a uh, nice nautical metaphor. Um, I'll try and get them in. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you can see that Woody's uh, delighted to see Sam again. Carl is over the moon. And Sam's uh, kind of in awe of the changes that have been made. Firstly, recognising that they are in matching outfits, Carla and uh, Woody. That makes the, the classic joke of, uh, should, have, should have called each other first. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see that the bar's kind of brought, brought to life a little bit with his arrival. Sam's there to get his old job back. Yeah, but there's a, there's a new barman in town. Uh, yep, that's the... Wayne. Wayne. Mm. I, I'd say plain Wayne. He's, uh, he's sort of uh, thought to be quite uh, boring, quite dry. Like being served a drink by a piece of sandpaper, in it. He's employed upon his excellent knowledge of all drinks ever. Every single drink that ever exists. Yeah, he's a, he's a smart one, is this Wayne. But he was hired on merit. I think Woody's probably the better bartender because Woody knows how to make a lot of drinks based in uh, young Dr. Weinstein. Mm. Uh even if he makes them by accident. Uh, but he's also <laughs> quite good with customers and people like him. It's all new in Cheers, James. There's a, a new regime. They're running the joint like a military outfit. That's what Carla says. But one of the reasons why she's delighted of Sam being back is because she assumes he's coming back with money and he's going to buy back the bar. Spend it on a boat. Boat's gone. It's all gone. Kind of almost at rock bottom, but not quite as bad as maybe we've seen at rock bottom before. He's still got yeah. his spirits, but he's not having spirits. He seems happy, but he's broke. And he, he's come back to Cheers for, for work, essentially. Yeah. Well, what they've done, and they did this at the start of season three as well, was they brought Sam down a few pegs, a yeah. few rungs down the ladder, you know? Whereas this time, he's kind of lost all his baseball money now. He's still got his confidence, though. When he finds out that the new boss is a woman... He's like, hey! Yeah. <laughs> He gets a sort of overconfidence that he's going to be able to woo her very easily and get his job back. We already have a, have an inkling that it's not going to go well for him. They hear that this new manager is going to arrive. Before we talk about their reaction, let's go through the cast members. First appearance of Kirsty Alley as new series regular Rebecca Howe, who is this bar manager. She also appeared in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan as Lieutenant Savick. She also appeared in A Bunny's Tale, The Look Who's Talking series, The Last Dawn 1 and 2, Veronica's Closet, Dharma and Greg, Kirsty, 
Hot in Cleveland, and Scream Queens, among many others. James Burroughs told People magazine that the role was a martinet and a bitch. Then they met Ali and the vulnerability allowed her to instead become the vulnerable woman of the 1980s. They also wanted to avoid any physical resemblance to Diane, particularly the hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Thomas returns as Eddie Lebeck, Jonathan Stark as Wayne. He also appeared in Fright Night, Moonlighting, Tales from the Crypt, Ellen, and many others. Al Rosen returns as Al, Michael Tullin as Customer. He also appeared in V, Dynasty, L.A. Law, Married with Children, and many others. Tim Cullingham as Tim, Steve Ginelli as Steve, Alan Cross as Alan, and Philip Pullman is uncredited as Phil. Good bunch there. Yeah. A very good bunch. So, uh, <laughs> so, as you've heard there, Kirsty Alley plays... Uh, Rebecca Howe, if you've seen Star Trek 2, you know what she looks like. Uh, and Sam's there waiting by the door, going, oh yeah, I'll be smooth talker. I'm a silver-tongued Sam, that's what I am. <laughs> he says he's learnt some new lines in his travels. And she comes in, and he's forgotten all of them. He turns into a bit of a clavin. He does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't form words, and he goes a bit of a, sort of a droopy mouth. Should we insert his attempt at conversation? Yeah, we've got to. How do you do? <laughs> and to you. Wasn't very good, was it? He's <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can see why he doesn't, doesn't have the same charm. He tries to make what he thinks is a good impression. An impression. That's An... Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's like my impression of Al, is what it is. You can see that the atmosphere changes when uh, she does enter the bar because she kind of gets everyone back to working. She fires back at Carla in a way that uh, Sam never would. Uh, she runs a tight ship. That's another <laughs> nautical metaphor. She yeah, she seems to have a, a like a slight soft spot for Woody though. I think it's I think it's because Woody's just such an endearing young man, isn't he? Yeah, because she goes uh, hello Woody, and then sees his tag and says I mean Wayne, and then says Did you lose your tag again? And he goes Yep, but I found my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> I think also because of because of Woody's upbringing, he always refers to his superiors and even customers. As, as their surname, M- yeah, Miss yeah. Chambers, Mr. Peterson, Miss Howe, you know, and I think that does endear him to Rebecca quite a bit. What happens is that Sam keeps trying to flirt with Rebecca and she makes her presence known in the bar, then goes to her office. Whoa, that office. <laughs> well, Sam follows her in straight away uh, and she says, why didn't you knock? And he says, instinct. It's changed a lot, hasn't it, James? There's one thing in the office which particularly caught my eye. It was the, it was the computer, John. Ah, uh, technology. Yeah. Whoa. Cheers is embracing the future. I saw it and I went, what are, what are those? Um, <laughs> <laughs> a computer? Yeah, and I suppose this is part of uh, all the change which Sam says, and the, the the inside of his office has probably changed more than the bar has, because it's fairly unrecognisable. All of the hokey stuff, hokey and pokey furnitures and decor he's got on the wall, all gone. Yeah. It's a different place now. It's clean. There was obviously some apprehension from the audience and maybe even animosity towards this cursed alley coming in thinking she can replace Diane? Who does she think she is? And the audience was reticent in laughing until Rebecca accidentally, well, Kirsty Alley accidentally uh, couldn't open the door to the office. She fumbled the, the door handle and that's when the audience started laughing. And Jason was like, oh, hang on there. There's a, there's a vulnerability to this character. 
We can work with that. I think that's that's quite interesting. I didn't know that was a sort of fumble. Quite a good off-the-cuff joke around it. But I think because she was presented as such a stern person, that kind of break into human flawed sort of perspective probably is more keeping with Cheers, where yeah. the characters are quite flawed in a lot of ways. In a similar way to Diane having this facade of propriety, is that the correct word? Being proper and well-presented. Rebecca is obviously struggling because... She's trying to establish herself as a as a dominant businesswoman. But as you said, nobody's perfect. Everyone has their, their own flaws and idiosyncrasies, and she doesn't want to show that weakness. And we got that just from something as simple as the door handle fumble, which may have been an accident, but James Burroughs is smart, and he went, ooh, delicious. But I think that's one of the things, maybe, maybe that's going to be a new theme, James, because she definitely wants to be perceived as very business orientated and stern and capable. And this loggers heads with Sam in a lot of ways for a lot of reasons, because Sam is much more flimsy and loose, I guess. And laid back. Uh, it's an interesting shift in power, though, because Sam's on the down and out without money. He's gone back to this place which he doesn't recognize and maybe doesn't recognize him yeah and i think uh, one thing which is quite interesting is there's definitely that power play like you say because all sam's really got at this point is that he is the sort of leader of, of the bar in a lot of ways he he owns that title and she wants that title she's got it officially she knows if he's there she will lose power. She's the queen of the castle. She does refuse him the job and says that they're fully staffed. And the bar very quickly puts in motion uh, the wheels to turn to get Sam back in a sort of very sort of military operation in some ways. Yeah, but it's let the farce commence is, is what happens. <laughs> it's very but, well coordinated. But it, it was quite a heartfelt scene when Sam went into there because he, he says exactly what, what you were saying, where Sam feels like he has lost everything. I sold this bar because it had a lot of... Uh bad memories for me. But once I got away from it, yeah, I realized it had a lot of good memories, too. Mr. Malone, no, wait, I come, really wish please, you would... Please, please, listen. I'm not enjoying this, either. There was uh, one memory in particular that I've been trying to shape. <clears throat> see, I was, uh, I was afraid that I was going to walk in here today and uh, see her face everywhere I looked, but instead what I saw was all these silly changes you made here. I happen to think it's... No, no, I mean, it was good. It, it helped me. Look, what, what I'm trying to say is this, uh, this, this place is the closest thing I have to a real home. I want to come back. Please. I'm very sorry, Mr. Malone. I wish that I could help. I see. Wait a minute. I guess we could use another relief bartender a couple of nights a week. Well, it's a start. I appreciate that. Don't mention it. You've had some tough breaks. Oh, not so bad, really. You lost the bar. And now you tell me that's your home. You lost your girlfriend. And I guess you were some sort of an athlete. Is having a lot of trouble getting over it. Anyway, I just hope working here can help fill 
a little of the emptiness. It's that power play that's going to unfold as we go on. And at this point, she sees him in a position where she will have that authority because there's a lot of sort of interplay of power interplay and who's got the upper hand. And at this point, when she sees he's lost so much, she feels if she's got him under her thumb, she'll probably regain more authority in the bar. I mean, game theory falls into it in a lot of ways, doesn't it? Where someone who you're competing with do you cooperate with in the short term in order to gain their trust so you can beat them in the future Mm, but it's also like if you beat your enemy they become a sort of martyr of what they stood for oh it's there's a there's a big strats going on if you can beat them down and make them submissive they become uh, an enforcement of what you do if that makes sense don't go into politics john (laughs) if you beat them down you can and make them submissive (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do they do what they want they do what you want them to do she didn't okay. want to make a martyr out of sam and everything yeah. stood for so she gave him some part-time work but the gang have got his back and very quickly the wheels start turning and the gang start getting back together to get sam his full-time job and the first part of this uh i'm gonna say i think it's probably a three-step plan is they call <laughs> up the big boss oh mr mr drake very quickly, he calls back to talk to Rebecca because he finds out that Sam Malone, big sports personality, was in the bar asking for work and she only gave him part time. This enters a new dynamic into the play because Mr. Drake is a big fan of Sam Malone and Rebecca is a big fan of Mr. Drake. He, he wants him there full time. She has to come out of the bar a little bit with uh, her tail between her legs. But now Sam's got the power back. And he's there going, I don't think I could live off the part-time wage or the full-time wage. <laughs> we forget to say that uh, Sam was eavesdropping on the conversation by doing the old thing of hand on the receiver or listen to the phone. Yeah, And he hardballs her a bit where uh, he, he's going to get the best deal he can. But when uh, with one barman goes in, another has to leave. And oh, it's it's going to be, it's poor, poor young Woody. Woody knows the people better and people get on with Woody better. And honestly, how many different drinks are people going to order going into Cheers? It's going to be beer most of the time, isn't it? And uh, I was well, like, we'll you find, know what I mean? We'll find out shortly what kind of drinks people order. <laughs> Step two of the plan, make a deal with Wayne. Well, it conducts a uh, wager with Wayne. I happen to think Wayne is a very talented bartender. I don't think he's so great. No, Miss Tortelli? No. I bet there are a lot of drinks he doesn't know how to make. Impossible. I know every drink there is. Oh, yeah? I say that a customer is going to come into this bar tonight and order a drink you've never heard of. No way. Never happened. Well, if it does, will you take a hike? All right. And if I win? And you get Sam's sailboat. <laughs> and that, that sets the wheels in motion. Yes, and obviously the great part about that deal is Sam's boat is at the bottom of the ocean. Wayne don't know that. After that wagerous maze, we get someone enter the bar, a new customer, James. Yeah, heavy set guy, isn't he? <laughs> it is, of course, Norm, who now does not get greeted by anyone until he gets noticed by one person uh, who wrecks his <laughs> act, which I thought was a great callback. Some yes. good smart writing. And this is where Wayne gets stumped because there is a drink he doesn't know how to make, James. What could Norm possibly order? Uh, Norm orders a screaming Viking and Wayne corrects him to a laughing Swede. Neither of these exist, so so Wayne is speaking nonsense. But, <laughs> but screaming Viking, which, uh, quick side joke, uh, 
Al says he hasn't heard that since his honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's a lovely dupe, isn't it? What's brilliant is uh, in a bar which was so cold and empty of familiarity at the beginning, slowly fills up with all the characters that we uh, know and love. They were hiding in the wings, weren't they? That must have been such a good moment whilst uh, filming live because an episode so sparse of all of these favourites and then come in and and walk on screen. It's like a Spartacus-type moment. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to scream in Viking. And I want to scream. We all want to scream. Tim Cunningham comes in. Steve Gillanelli. Alan Koss. And of course, you said Al Rosen comes in at the end, all ordering screaming Vikings, perplexing (laughs) Wayne. You could see the vein on his head sort of pulse with anger. So he gets more frustrated. Yes, sir. Let's see. What do I feel like today? What am I in the mood for? Guess a uh, screaming Viking would do it. Don't you uh, mean a laughing Swede? No. What's the matter, Wayne? You heard the man. That drink does not exist. There's been many a morning I wish to God it hadn't. (laughs) I've never heard of that drink, and no one else has either. This gentleman made it up. Do I have to take my business elsewhere? No, please, sir. Excuse me, Miss Howe, I can make that. Do you want the cucumber bruised? Slightly. Shall I get your coat, Wayne? There is no such thing as a screaming Viking, I assure you, Miss Howe. Screaming Viking over here, please. I don't know what's going on here, but I have been a bartender. Bartender, make it two. Right up. Wait a minute, there is no such drink as a screaming Viking. I think I'll have a screaming Viking. <laughs> I think the best part of it all is Woody's response, where he pops his head around the corner. <laughs> I know how to make it. Do you want the cucumber bruised? Uh, slightly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's something I found on Reddit, actually, where someone left a review of Cheers Boston. And he said, I ordered a screaming Viking the other day. The new bartender had never heard of it, but the young kid behind the bar knew how to make it and, and even bruised the cucumber for me, then in brackets, slightly. Uh, and that's that's from a user called Don't Call Me Shirley. Kirsty Alley's uh, character, Rebecca, kind of knows what's going on. She can see what's going on and goes into her office and then peeks her hand around the corner where we see all of them having sipped their <laughs> screaming Vikings, holding it in, pretending that it's a fine drink. Mmm, delicioso. Nom, <laughs> Playing nom, nom. A, bit of, uh, a bit of cat and mouse where she keeps peeking her head around the corner until finally they can spit out uh, what I assume is a vile drink. Rebecca Howe comes into the bar with Sam's severance check. That's very quick to get a severance check when you haven't even signed a contract, but... (laughs) (laughs) Quick on the draw is Rebecca. She says, please be a stranger. She's got that ruthless Vulcan logic. And then she tries to break down why she will not be hiring Sam. And it's very much that interspersed power play. And she tries to break it down in baseball ease to dumb it down for him and belittle him. I'll give you another chance. All right, thank you. Thank you. But I want to make something very clear. Okay. You've just got one chance left. Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, again in baseball ease, it's the bottom of the ninth. You've got two outs, two strikes, and no balls. <laughs> I think they've got a tough road ahead. I think this is a new challenge for Sam. Oh, we'll have to find that as we continue watching this season, James. Yes. But we do leave with a, a slightly uh, a slightly happy ending, I don't know. But she tells Sam to go out and help Woody, and he says, before I leave, can I ask a friendly gesture? 
that you, you show me a smile to prove that there's no hard feelings. And she goes, why? <laughs> he goes, you've, you seem like someone who lights up a room when she smiles. And then uh, just to regain that power play back, he says, gee, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a fun season. <laughs> Oh, glad to see Cliff back at the bar with a stack of trivia. Welcome back, Cliff. Yeah. A fresh lot of trivia for this season six kickoff episode. In this episode, Sam mentions how lots of things have changed, including uh, a dear friend of him, a moose. What was the name of his moose, James? Oh, it's not Eddie again, is it? No, it's Dave. Dave. To which Rebecca quips, I let him free. Prior to the new uniform... How long did Woody spend every morning picking out a shirt? A couple of hours. Yep. Yeah, long time. Yeah. And Fraser sort of uh, half agrees with him in a sort of sideways joke. <laughs> <laughs> in a similar question, James, there were two reasons why Woody liked his uniform. One was for that reason, that he saves time. What was the other reason? It goes with his eyes or something? No, he says he gets a little bit more respect. Oh. I don't well, see how does, he, he looks a little bit like a leprechaun. What is Carla's nickname for Wayne? Uh, Mr. Chucklepuss. Mr. Chucklepuss it is. Here's an extra difficult question for you, John. What is the name of the first man to circumnavigate sail the globe single-handed without stopping once on the trip? And how long did it take? You get a point for the name, and if you're within 30 days each way... You'll get a point for the number of days. Uh, I, I don't feel like I know. So I'm going to guess Ponce de Leon. <laughs> um, because that's a, a fairly cheesy kind of thing. And let's say 180 days because of the film. <laughs> I mean, your your logic is outstanding. <laughs> Savick would be proud of you. No, it was Sir Robin Knox Johnston. It took him 312 days from 22nd of June 1968 to the 14th of April, 1969. I feel like I had good logic to some of them. You did, yeah. I can't fault your logic. Is Ponce de Leon fictional? Well, that's the last call at the bar. Our first episode in season six, and what an episode, James. Mm, I think it's obvious what drink we're having. Yeah, I don't think we need to ask It's it's a, it's a screaming Viking. I think, though, that the recipe for this will be in our newsletter. You know, tune in on Patreon to find out exactly how to make a Screaming Viking. You know, we've got our own little twist on it. Yeah, so check out our Patreon page if you want to find out that recipe, as well as some other exclusive perks that you can pick up there as well. It's worth a shot, especially as we start this new era of cheers. And with that, we're at the end of the first episode of Season 6. What a start to a journey. I'm really excited where this is going, James. A totally unexpected twist, which I wasn't expecting with uh, the bar being sold... A time jump again. All the characters kind of went and have came back. And a new owner of the bar. Well, I'm excited for this season and the new dynamics that are forming. Thank you for listening. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. Mm-hmm.